Challenging men to be great men. Welcome to the Great Man Podcast with your host, New York Times bestselling author, Stephen Mansfield. Gentlemen, let us begin. Hey, before I dive into the topic I want to talk to you about today, let me ask you to do two things. First of all, I designed these podcasts to be about 10, 12 minutes long. They're meant to be quick. They're meant to be easy. They're meant to be basically in the tone of men talking to each other. So look around and see what men in your life might need these podcasts. Get them to them. Get them subscribing. I think we want to impact a generation of men. Also, if you like what we're doing here, go on to iTunes and write some reviews. That'll encourage others to listen to this podcast and perhaps we can do some good that way as well. Let me tell you a story that I've told before. In fact, if you've been tracking me on social media and listening to my podcast for a while, you've heard this story more than likely, but it's one of my favorite stories to tell, and it sets us up for my topic today. Uh, Decades ago, there was an African-American woman living in the South, and she had 10 children. She also worked in the home of a wealthy man in town. And as she worked in the home of that wealthy man, she noticed the importance of books, the family family bought books, they read books, they discussed books, the kids eagerly, you know, asked for certain books from their parents and so on. There were every kind of book in the home, every all sorts of books, and they were beautifully displayed and what have you. And so this family was very friendly to this African-American woman who was working for them. And so she began to ask, you know, what books should I have and how can I get them inexpensively? And the family, of course, gave her a lot of books. And before long, uh, she began to have books present in her home. Well, what's interesting about this story is this woman couldn't read, but she knew the importance of books for her children because she had seen it in this uh, other family's life. And so she began to make sure there were books in her home. She began encouraging her kids, of course, to learn to read, which they would have done in school, but to read in the home. She began providing incentives for them and, you know, giving them privileges based on uh, the books they read and what have you. And not Not until very late in life did her kids ever figure out that she couldn't read because she was talking about books all the time. Well, what's interesting about this story is that all of those 10 kids became exceptional achievers. I don't have the exact positions memorized, but one for sure was an MD. One became a state official. Uh, One became a judge. I know that for sure. Others were in roles that required intellect and, and, uh, you know, a good mind and to be well read. I think a couple were college professors and all of it came because she changed the culture of her home by making books present. Now, there are many lessons that I could draw from this and uh, emphasize in this podcast, but the one I most want to emphasize is summarized in a simple little maxim. You become what you behold. You become what you behold. We say it more sarcastically in our generation, garbage in, garbage out. But but at a more noble level, you become what you behold. This is the concept behind uh, statues and, and images and slogans and plaques on our national buildings. Uh, th- this, this is the concept behind having noble quotes and pictures of the founding fathers in our public schools, things of that nature. The assumption is you become what you behold. This is why we have ill illustrated Bibles. This is why we have, we put paintings of noble deeds in the homes of our children. 
because you become what you behold. Now, for those of us who strive to be great men, for those of us who strive to be honorable men, we have to make note of the fact that we live in a social media age. We live in a high image, high social media, uh, high internet influenced age. And that means that without actually meaning to, we are very capable of putting actually demeaning, uh, diminishing images before our eyes. And not just images, but information, words, news, stories, uh, putting things before ourselves, before our eyes, in our minds that diminish us, that do not know ennoble us. Now, I live in the real world, and I understand that not everything we see in the news and not everything we think about or talk about can be ennobling and inspiring. You know, it can't all just be, you know, the, the film Rudy, you know. Or something, you know, Sea Biscuit or something inspiring like that. I understand that. But as a result of living in a world of constant tension, of constant bloodshed, of almost instantaneous news reporting, we must push back on the amount of negative that we have before our eyes and put things before our eyes that are ennobling. In other words, yes, read about politics and yes, read about contemporary tensions and yes, read about vicious corporate takeovers. I understand that may be part of your business. That may be part of your life, but make sure you're also reading stories of noble friendships and of comrades in battle and of and of great manhood and of people who sacrifice to do great things and of ingenious inventors and of, uh, of, of brilliant artists, positive things that stoke your soul. And in a sense, even if it's not graphic, even if it's words on the page, put images before your eyes that inspire you. Look at the total volume of information that you are consuming in your life. Consider what you do from the moment you get up. Maybe you check Twitter. Maybe you go on Facebook. Uh, maybe you read a couple of news services. Okay, good enough. That's fine. But think about the total volume of words, the total volume of time, and imagine where are you countering that with noble images, with noble literature, with high, high and elevating stories, with things that lift your soul. If a man is going to be a great man, and I'll say this boldly, uh, this is particularly true of men because ten, men tend to be more highly visual. Uh, men tend to be extremely visual. I'm not saying some women aren't, but statistics and surveys show that, that the larger percentage of men are highly visual and have our dominant visual than they are auditory or some of the other modalities. So, Men are shaped more readily by what they see. Uh, they're shaped more readily by the examples of other men. They're shaped more readily by the stories they envision. They're shaped more readily by images they put before their eyes. So I, I can't, I, I don't want to try to stop you from knowing what's going on in the world and knowing stories and, and reading about the tensions and in, in, in DC and even the foul language and the anger and the bitterness. That's, that's just part of living in this world. We're not, we're not snowflakes. We're not wimps. We, we, we need to be in the real world. But I do want to challenge you about what are you putting before your eyes that inspires you and ennobles you. If you're watching crap television, stop and watch something 
something that's ennobling. And if you can't stop because you have to watch that with your family or something, or it's your wife's favorite show or whatever the reason is, just make sure you're putting other things before your eyes. Make sure that every other book you read is something noble. Make sure you've got a, a stash of, of CDs or some things saved on your hard drive, uh, you know, of good movies, movies that inspire, movies that call you to your best. Make sure you're going on YouTube and finding some of the better teachers of, of inspiring thoughts and and, and noble manhood and things like that. You know who the authors are. And the, the internet is full of, of great resources like that. YouTube can take you down the path to destruction or YouTube can make you a better man. That's your choice. But you have to, you have to be intentional about what you see. You become what you behold. And by the way, I take this even as far as friendships and the men that you hang with. That's not my main point today, but just take, pull back just a little bit, sit quietly for a while sometime soon, and look at the total volume of your intellectual, emotional, uh, literary diet. And ask yourself what the natural fruit of that would be. If you, if you spent 30 hours digesting news and contention over Donald Trump saying that there were certain S-hole countries in the world, I'm not even debating whether he actually said it or not, but you had to, if you were paying attention to that story, like I have to do in DC, you could have spent 40 hours listening to debates about S-hole and whether the president say it and what is an S-hole and what countries qualify as S-hole and are they better than Norway or not, that just diminishes you. That just makes you smaller. That just puts nastiness in your mind. That just inspires rage and anger and and has you just thinking about small things. I'm not saying don't hear it. I'm not saying don't have an opinion about it. I'm not saying don't watch the news for a while about it. But bear in mind that 20, 30, 40 hours like some people consumed, if it's not counterbalanced, if there's not other noble stuff that you're reading, if you're not reading good things, by the way, to yourself and to your kids, if you're not drinking in some of the great stories of history, if you're not reading some of the great adventure stories, uh, if you're not retelling them, keeping that culture alive around you, then you might be becoming what you behold. My greatest concern about some of the nastiness going on in D.C. Uh, is not just nastiness in D.C. That's bad enough. But if the whole nation's becoming what it beholds, then we're all getting smaller, nastier, dirtier by the stuff we're having to digest. So look at your life, look at your diet, and I don't mean food there, but of course you should look at your food diet. The main issue is look at what you consume, the total body of what you consume. Do you counterbalance it with noble literature, with great stories? For example, uh, you could just simply get the single volume of William Bennett's. Now, William Bennett's a former secretary of education here in the U.S., but just get the single volume of uh, William Bennett's book called The Book of Man. And he has hundreds of stories in this book that are ennobling and inspiring. It's about inventors. It's about moments between fathers and sons. It's about D-Day. Uh, it's about it has poetry in it. Uh, that would be enough right there to get you started. So ask yourself what you behold and ask yourself what you are becoming as a result. Every experience you have, every interaction you have, everything you read, everything you watch is planting seeds in your soul and is shaping you. Be intentional about it. And you can't say, I want to be a great man if your entire mental, intellectual, emotional diet is about small, petty, uh, lesser drive oriented kinds of things. You got to feed what you want to grow. 
And in your case, because you're listening to this podcast, what you want to grow is the great manhood on the inside of you. Let me make it very, very clear. I'm not saying don't live in the real world. I'm not saying don't know the dirt that's out there. Of course we need to. But you can counterbalance it in your own soul by reading great and noble things, by watching great and noble things, by discussing great and noble things with your friends and with your family that will feed you and put nobility before your eyes. We become what we behold. Keep that in mind and go be a great man. To join the Great Man community or to book Stephen to speak at your men's event, go to greatman.tv. You'll learn about Stephen Mansfield's two essential books for men, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men and Building Your Band of Brothers, as well as some other great resources for becoming a great man. The Great Man Podcast is a Mansfield Group production. 